Hello, welcome to the Friday, October 16th, 2020 edition of the Sands and Storm Center's Stormcast. My name is Johannes Ulrich, and today I'm recording from Jacksonville, Florida. Xavier today is talking about an interesting obfuscation technique that he has spotted in a sample of a Python remote access tool that he found on VirusTotal. But it looks like this tool is, well, yet again, another sort of red team exercise that he probably sort of came across here. The tool itself loads actually or contains as part of the code bytecode that is then decompressed and fed to the Marshall module. That's a module that will actually then allow you to execute that bytecode. Now, the tricky part here is, of course, from a reverse analysis point of view, how do you actually then decompile this bytecode. Python is not, well, strictly speaking, compiled, but bytecode is sort of a somewhat compiled uh, representation of Python code. Luckily, well, like there's the Marshall module to actually read bytecode, they have the uncompile module to actually do the opposite and decompile the bytecode and with that we get our python code back which was readable enough here in this case for Xavier to do additional analysis on this particular malicious python tool. Then of course we are still keeping an eye on the bad neighbor vulnerably as it's uh, often called now that's CVE 2020-16898 the Windows ICMP v6 router advertisement vulnerability. A couple more small details here no real sort of working exploit yet and there are some reasons why it may be difficult to come by. So first of all, again, this vulnerability has to be exploited on the local network also to actually do remote code execution. But according to a rapid seven block, it turns out you need also, and that's very typical because of various um, anti-exploit techniques that you find in modern versions of Windows. You also need an information leakage vulnerability to bypass some of uh, these techniques. While information leakage vulnerabilities are somewhat common in Windows, nobody has uh, sort of come forward yet that they actually got remote code execution, but there are a number of people that have stated they got the blue screen of death. And I put together a little YouTube video with some of the details that we have learned so far about possible exploits. And yes, it's time for more Bluetooth vulnerabilities. Uh, this time the vulnerability is in Blue C. Blue C is the Linux library that's being used in order to access Bluetooth. So pretty much all Linux systems are affected by this vulnerability. The vulnerability was originally discovered by researchers at Google. They promised to publish a blog post with details soon. So far, they have published a couple of uh, tweets and also a YouTube video uh, with a demonstration of the vulnerability. The one problem with the patch that Intel is pointing to, Intel points to the Linux kernel version 5.10 or later. Well, uh, 5.10 has not been released yet. So a patch, I guess, will be coming soon, as soon as Linux kernel 5.10 is released. Typically, uh, major Linux distributions will not upgrade 
to the 5.10 kernel, but backport patches like this into whatever kernel they are using. Now, at this point, we know the vulnerability is in the blue C part of the Linux kernel, but we don't really know yet if it only affects specific chipsets or sort of what the overall scope of this vulnerability is. And next week, Zoom will finally enable end-to-end -end encryption on a preview basis. So you have to specifically enable it for a Zoom meeting. And well, be aware that certain things, certain features will not work. And actually, some of them make sort of sense, like for example, cloud recording, which would sort of defeat the purpose of end-to-end -end encryption. There are a couple other things that uh, not really sure why they are not working with end-to-end -end, uh, encryption, like for example, one-to-one -one private chat and meeting reactions. But maybe these are some features that are actually handled on Zoom's servers. So uh, that's why they're not included here. As Zoom points out, uh, Zoom is already encrypted. And of course, that's a thing they sort of rolled out a while ago. But what end-to-end -end encryption really changes is that the keys now live on the user system and are no longer sort of generated by Zoom's cloud, which of course uh, caused some uh, questions because if they're generated in Zoom's cloud and you don't necessarily have any control over where those servers live that generate these encryption keys. Well, and that's it for today. So thanks for listening and talk to you again on Monday.